In the month of October, in our sermonic calendar, our sermon topic is evangelism. And as, as I was thinking about, you know, what to present, one of the most common things that people tell me is, they say, you know, Pastor, I like your church, I like coming, but I'm reluctant to become a member. And when you ask people, you know, why don't you want to become a member? What would keep you? I've heard a number of things, but... Some people say, oh, you know, I, I don't believe in organized religion. We'll talk about that today. Uh, I've had people say, you know, the church, it's just a bunch of people, and they're all imperfect, and, you know, that's true too. And I've, ha- I've even had people say, you know, if I join, <clears throat> I don't want to be responsible for the mistakes and sins of the, ch- the corporate church at large. I have some very interesting discussions with people. So today, I want to invite you to take your Bible and open with me to Matthew chapter 16. I want to ask you to turn there, Matthew chapter 16, and this is where the title of my sermon comes from today, Matthew chapter 16. I want to invite you to look with me at verse 18, Matthew 16, verse 18. And here is what the Bible says. Jesus is speaking. And the Bible says, And I, was, I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will, what? Build my church. Jesus said that he would build a church. Now, I don't know if you know this, But the word church never appears in the Old Testament, not once. Did you know that the word church, it only appears in the New Testament? And when it appears, it's taken from a Greek word by the name, or the Greek word is ekklesia. And basically, it's just a word that taken from two roots, it means To be called out. Ecclesia means to be called out. So when we talk about a church in the Bible sense, we are talking about people that have been called out of the world and they have been called to God. Does that make sense? Very simple definition, but the church is in essence a group of people that have responded to the call of God, they've come out of the world, and they have come to God. So this brings me to my first point. If we are the church and we represent those that are called out, does it make sense that there should be a distinction between us and the world. Does that make sense? In other words, if we are the church, there should be a way that people can tell that we are different from the world. Now, I know that if you want to be different, It's easy to be different. And 
I think of some very wonderful people that live in the state. I was visiting is it Lancaster. There's an Amish community there, right? And some of you may know that the Amish live a very different lifestyle. If we want to talk about different, they're very different, okay? And, you know, believe it or not, believe it or not, there was a time when I asked myself, does God call us to be that different? You understand? In other words, does God call us to live that much differently to stand out? And, you know, as I look through the Bible, um, it's clear that God wants his people to be distinct. But how, would they, how were they to be distinct is kind of the area that I think we as Christians need to focus on. How does God want us to be different? Well, one of the things that we here today are experiencing is that God separated his people from the surrounding nations by giving them a certain group of laws or requirements, one of which was keeping the Sabbath. And, you know, I actually lived in a number of different parts of the state. Um, I, in the United States, I actually grew up in New Jersey. But then for a period of almost five years, I lived in a little town in rural Georgia. I actually graduated high school in this little town. I was like the only Asian person in my whole, no, I take that back. I was the only Asian male in my school of like 4,000 kids. Okay? <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was amazed. I, it was a culture shock for me because when I, when I got to know some of my classmates and I got to understand their religion and their beliefs. Um, some of you might know, but Georgia is a big Baptist community, Southern Baptist, missionary, but free will Baptist. And let me tell you that some of these Baptist members kept their Sabbath, so Sunday, more devotely uh, or more devotedly than maybe even some Adventists. I was surprised. They wouldn't mow the lawn on Sunday. I knew at least one family, they didn't even turn on the TV on, on Sunday. They, you know, and you would think, oh, watch the game. No, they wouldn't turn the TV on. Now, there were plenty of Baptists that did go to restaurants, but there were some that I knew that didn't. And I guess my point is that one of the things that God wanted for his people is that when people see them, he wanted people to know that they were his people. And one of the ways that he marked them is by their use of the Sabbath hours, their time. And so today, as we talk about what the church is, people that are called out, uh, I want you to just be thinking about in your life, if someone was to take a close look, is there enough distinction in your life to say, hey, this person is indeed someone that's a Christian. They've been called out and they represent what God wants his peculiar people to be. 
I mean, if we are doing the same things as the world, if we have the same entertainment as the world, if we eat the same as the world, do you see that there's really no meaning in the phrase called out? Does that make sense? There's really no distinction. Now, again, I want to make the, the difference that we can be different just to, for the sake of being different. We can paint our hair fancy colors. We could dress in a way that is a, you know, a gazing stock. But God's distinction is actually by obedience. As we're faithful to him, we will find that there are certain things that we won't do that the world does. Does that make sense? And I'm reluctant to make like a list here because everyone's at a different place in their Christian experience. But one thing that I think we all agree on is, you know, when you dress up and you go to church on Sabbath, make no mistake, your neighbors see that you're doing something different. Does that make sense? They, they can see that, that you go to church on the Sabbath. And that is one of the ways that we show our distinction to the world. By the way, did you know that God had a church in every age? I did tell you that the word church only appears in the New Testament. But come with me to the book of Acts. I want to show you something here in Acts chapter 7. And I want to ask you to look with me at verse 37. Acts chapter 7. And let's look together at verse 37. And notice what the Bible says. Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 37. The Bible says, This is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you. That was in the, what everybody? Okay, some verses say congregation. My version says church in the wilderness, okay? So what does the Bible here in Acts 7, what does it refer to the children of Israel as? It refers to them as the what? As the church, as God's called out people, right? And they were called out of Egypt. They were called, Abraham was called out of Ur. So this was God's church in the Old Testament. Now, Please think carefully as I ask this question. Was there a condition for membership in the church in the wilderness? Was there a condition to become a member, yes or no? There was. Do you remember what it was? It was circumcision, right? That was the condition for membership in the church in the wilderness. Is there a condition for membership in God's church today? And by the way, it's not circumcision now, but is there a condition? Yes. What is it? It's baptism, right? It's baptism today. That's the condition of membership. Now, <clears throat> I know that this discussion about church often comes up with several objections, and I want to try to address these because one of the things that I have found is that people often say, you know, I, I, I like your church, I like what they teach, I believe these things, but I'm reluctant to join. And as I said earlier, sometimes people raise the objection that there are people in that church that I don't get along with. So I want to I clarify something because I know that if you go to the Bible, 
there is actually a very clear teaching on this point. Please come with me to Matthew 13, and I want to ask you to start with me in verse 30. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to focus on verse 30, but I'm going to give you a little summary. Jesus tells a parable about a man who had a field, and he sowed good good seed in the field. But one day, while he was sleeping, an enemy came, and he sowed tares. And then as they grew, it became apparent that someone had sown tares. And so as the servants saw that there was wheat with tares, they asked the owner, should we root up all of these tares as well? Should, you know, should we get rid of these tares? And the owner says something very interesting. Look with me at verse 30. He says, let both grow together until what time? Until the harvest. Now, when we look at this parable in the broad sense, you could say that this represents the world and, you know, God had his children, someone came and sowed sin, and, you know, you could, you, we can make that application. But when Ellen White comments on this passage in Christ Objects Lessons, she specifically applies this to the church. And one of the things that she does is she says that in the church, until Jesus comes, there will be both wheat and tares. Now, I'm sure that some of you might know this, but there are offshoot Adventist movements like the Reform Adventist Church that claim that they have come out of the Adventist Church because there's so much apostasy in the church. I'm sure you know that. You, you know that, right? There, there's, their headquarters is in Richmond. Um, there's another movement called the Free SDA Church. They're based out of Atlanta, Georgia. They have their own general conference. Some of you know there is something called Branch Davidians, another offshoot of that. And the idea is always the same. The idea is consistently that because there is apostasy in the church, we have to come out and form a more pure organization. And that's usually a reason why some people will say, you know, I'm not going to that church. I know such and such goes there. I know he has this problem. I know her, she has this problem. And so people make the excuse that because there is sin in the church, They don't want to join. But I want to tell you that the Bible and Jesus teaches here in Matthew 13 that until Jesus comes, there will be both wheat and tares in the church. And what does that mean? That means that even though every Sabbath we come together and we worship, there are actually some people that would be symbolized by the tares, meaning that they have not surrendered their life fully to Jesus and to his control. But should that stop me from participating and being a part of God's church? Absolutely not. If we had made the criteria that only the righteous were the, were the, the true church, then from the beginning of time until now, there could be no church of God. Does that make sense? So I want to challenge you that as you, con- as you contemplate your position, and your standing, ask yourself this question, am I wheat or am I tares? And what makes the difference? It's simply that a person who is classed as the wheat is someone that has asked Christ to forgive them. They ask Christ to dwell within them, and they are living a life as best as they know 
in harmony with God's word and with his principles. Wheat and tares, all the way until Jesus comes, there will always be wheat and tares. I looked through the New Testament and I found several stories where we find egregious behavior. When Paul writes to the church at Corinth, there was some immoral behavior that was going on. But he writes to them and admonishes them to put away the sin out of their life. But make no mistake, that sin was there. When I look in the book of Acts, I find the story of Ananias and Sapphira, people that really, for lack of a better word, stole. They made a commitment and then they stole from the church. And these people were justly dealt with, but make no mistake, they were part of the New Testament church. Now, I've had people tell me, why do I need to join? Why can't I just come to church? And why can't I just, you know, listen to the sermon? And why can't I just, you know, fellowship? And, and that's fine. We welcome anyone to fellowship and to worship and to participate with us. But one of the things that the New Testament teaches is that the church is an organized body of believers. In other words, like an army, the church has positions, it has offices. When you look through the New Testament, you will find that when they had doctrinal problems, they had a general, like a general session where all of the leadership met and they discussed problems and they went back and they solved it at their local churches. Or I should say they solved it and they went back and, and shared that with their local churches. The church has order, it has structure. And how can you be a part of that structure unless you become a member? So let me give you an example. Here at Westchester, we welcome people of, of any background to come and worship with us. But did you notice that today during the announcement section, we announced the nominations for office. Did you hear that? So we nominated some people for deacons and elders. We nominated some people for Sabbath school teachers and, and, and men's ministry and women's ministry. All of these offices are only available to people that have placed their membership in this local congregation. Now, please understand, we do not in any way discourage someone who's not a member to worship with us. But does it make sense that we can only appoint people to membership, or I should say to office, if they have become a member? Does that make sense? And so I just, I'm explaining this to you because Sometimes people may attend a church for a while, but they may be reluctant to join. And I've had people say, you know, I know that a church doesn't save me, and that's true. I want to make this very clear. In the Seventh-day Adventist church, we do not teach that membership is equated with your salvation. Those two things are very distinct. But make no mistake, in God's system of order, he desires that we attend church regularly, and God has appointed the structure of the church. It's divinely appointed in Scripture. Elders, deacons, there's all these offices, and God has appointed that. I want to ask you to come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is my closing passage because this is the summary that Paul gives us about organization in the church. 1 Corinthians 12, I want to ask you to look with me starting from verse 27. 
And this is what Paul says here. This is written to the church at Corinth, but he uses an illustration that I think we all can identify with. He says, now you are the, what everybody? The body. And if you go back to the previous verses, Paul uses the analogy that a person's body is a symbol for the church. So some people are hands, some people are eyes, some people are, you know, different appendages. And the point is that Paul equates that with the church. And then he says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that, miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, let me just see if I can summarize what Paul is trying to do. He's trying to say that in the church, every person has some office, some gift that helps forward the mission of that church, that local congregation. As I look out in this congregation, and I, I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but did you all appreciate that children's story today? I did. I, I think that, that, you know, when you, when you are able to share a, a lesson that is meaningful for children and adults, that's a special gift. And that's a gift that in the church, it helps to refine and to edify the members. I know that when I hear a children's story, very often the message of the children's story is just as much, if not more, for the adults. Does that make sense? Did you like the song today, The Lily of the Valley? Did you like that? That's not in our hymnal, but I absolutely love that song. I absolutely love, it's a hymn. It's, in fact, it's in, it's in older hymnals, but it's not a hymn that we have in ours. And so most Adventist congregations have never sung that. But my wife loves that song. I love that song. That is an absolutely amazing hymn. And let me tell you, when I hear our musicians sing on Sabbath, it's a gift that helps to refine and edify the church. Does that make sense? Um, we have in our congregation very talented people. When I think about, you don't realize, maybe you do, but if you watch our programs online, it literally takes like technical wizardry to accomplish what our team back there does. I mean, look, it's so complicated, I can only turn it on. That's it. Like, I can turn it on, but I have no idea what to do after that. But you know what? That gift, especially in our modern age, is so essential because of the way that technology is so crucial to our modern lives. Isn't that true? And you know what? These gifts are being used because people have become part of this local congregation. Does that make sense? Anyone can worship with us. Anybody can fellowship with us. But your talents, your skills, your gifts, we can't use them in God's church unless people make a decision to become part of that local congregation. So, my appeal to you today, and this doesn't apply to everyone because some of you here are visiting. You're already a part of another congregation. Some of you are um, already members, so this obviously wouldn't apply to you. But I know there are people watching, and I know that there may be even people here that are not part of a local congregation. And it's not my burden, or it's not my focus to say you have to be part of our congregation. 
but I urge you to become part of a local congregation somewhere. Amen? Because only in so doing can your gifts, your energy, your devotion be used to forward the mission and the message of that church. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we close with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, today we've briefly touched on this topic of church membership. And Lord, I know that every one of us in here, we're here because we felt your calling. Sometimes we blur the lines between what it means to be a peculiar people and to be separate from the world. Help us, Lord, to make a distinction, a clear distinction to those around us. I also pray, Father, that you would help us to not contemplate or not to worry about the other sinners in the church. Help us to focus on our own hearts and to worry about whether or not we are truly the wheat and not the tares. Father, I pray that there is... There are gifts in this room that I believe are being untapped, untapped potential, untapped abilities that could help hasten and forward this message and this mission. So please, Lord, place them in areas where they can serve and minister and be effective. For this is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.